Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is Mr. Benjamin Hunting. And I swear he's here because he's about to say hello. Hi, Ben. Greetings. Hey, Ben. Ben and I are automotive uh, journalists. That's what we are. We like to write about cars, and uh, you know what? This week was full of so much cool car news, and Ben had some really interesting experiences he wanted to share with us uh, regarding cars and trucks. We'll talk about the other experiences another time. So uh, why don't we take it away, Ben? What were you up to this week? Come on, talk to me. Um, actually, I just got back. I was in Nevada, uh, about an hour outside of Las Vegas, at this place called Logandale, which is in, I think it's Valley of Fire is the name of the park. And because every have you noticed how That's everything no I know but have you noticed how everything in the Nevada desert has a scary ass name like it's like a Death Valley Valley, Valley. of Fire yeah Parum. you're going to die in a car fire <laughs> national park it's all it's all stuff like that it's it's there's no, there's never anything like whispering meadows it's it's just not I guess when you're surrounded by stark red sand and and uh, harsh rock and venomous snakes it's pretty much not really at the forefront of your mind to be at peace but you know all that aside it's a, it's a beautiful spot um and we were out there i was out there with ram aka dodge aka chrysler aka fca with the uh, <laughs> how come of all of those you didn't you didn't name the fca which is the fiat chrysler of america i did that was the last one i named <laughs> but you didn't give the full title oh, i gotta i gotta build up to that i see okay and, here we go well, sorry we were, i don't mean to i don't mean to interrupt you in such a rude way i apologize to all listeners i'm not this mean in real life i've never met sammy so i can't verify whether that's true or not we, we do this podcast remotely but uh speaking of remote uh this place was pretty far from everything and i was there in the 2017 ram um i wanted to say ProMaster because every time i every time i've written the word power wagon this week i've written ProMaster and had to delete it so it was the it was the power wagon which uh for those who are unfamiliar the power wagon is the vehicle you would buy if you wanted to tow your house into the middle of the desert to escape a zombie apocalypse. It's the it's the every do everything off road vehicle. It's uh, based on a, a three quarter ton chassis truck, a pickup from Ram. It uh, it weighs seven thousand pounds. Holy. Yeah. Wait. Ha- what? How does it weigh so much? Well, uh, it has a, a pair of solid axles. It has uh, super hardcore suspension for towing and hauling and all that good stuff. Um, it comes with a 6.4 liter V8, an engine that puts out 410 horsepower in this vehicle and 429 horse, uh, 429 pound feet of torque. And uh, you can't get it in the regular Ram, maybe because in if they <laughs> if they had to publish the fuel mileage. Uh, for the regular RAM with the 6.4, they wouldn't be using the 324-point font that they used to put Power Wagon on the rear tailgate. Because uh, uh, with the 2500, they don't have to publish fuel mileage. The truck's heavy enough that that's not an issue. So it's a it's a question mark, uh, but I can tell you it's a thirsty vehicle. Okay, so talk to me about this thing. Uh, for, for people who are unaware, because it is a very niche vehicle. I mean... Can well, I go I, my? I could probably go my whole life without seeing one of these things. Uh, I don't know if I go. Especially yeah, I if I live if I in a that city. Far. Well, I mean, any off-road vehicle is a niche vehicle, right? Like, I don't know. Def- I've seen so many of these Raptors everywhere. Everyone has a Raptor just for going to the mall. That's this, a good point. This does not seem like one of these trucks. That's a good point. No, you're right. So the Raptor is a lifestyle vehicle in a way that the Power Wagon isn't. You have to really want a Power Wagon to buy one. It's not necessarily something that fits into your day-to-day 
um, as easily as a Raptor because it's 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 just, you know it's a four door, three quarter ton truck. It's huge. It's enormous. It's 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 massive, and it sits on these thirty five or sorry thirty three inch Dura tread. I think that's what they're called, the Dura tread tires. Um, and it has since it has that solid front axle and and uh, hardcore suspension for towing. It, it wanders like uh, quite a bit on the highway or on pavement. It's uh, it's not really the most. It's a streetable setup, but it's not intended with those tires to be you know something you take to work in the morning, unless you're working at a job site and you want to fill up the bed with uh, 1,500 pounds of cargo capacity that it can handle. Um, but really, what most people are buying it for is the the extra goodies you can't really get on any other Ram pickup. That solid front axle comes with 410 gearing. You have that front and rear. Both axles lock electronically. You're not going to get that on any other truck, period. Wait, um, come on. No, hold up. You mean pickup truck, right? Pickup truck, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I think the what? The G-Club? The, G, the Mercedes G-Wagon? Oh, that, yeah. So the, the, the 40-year-old military vehicle that Mercedes-Benz <laughs> yeah. sells? Yeah. That, that You can get locking front axle on that. You could actually get a locking center differential. And that's, that's very much a lifestyle vehicle. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. But if you want to pick up, you're, you're not going to get a you're not going to get locking front and rear, and you're certainly not going to get a dis uh, a disconnecting sway bar, which you know you push a button inside the truck and the sway bar pops off, and that gives you much better articulation over rocks and uneven terrain. And we tested that out numerous times. Um, the truck is it's impressive. Like we were climbing sheer rock faces, and since the truck is so long, you have to you'd think uh, approach and departure angles would be kind of an issue. But it was a very, very capable vehicle. Uh, we were on sand, we were on rock, we were on mixtures of the two. Um, sand, we also sandy rocks. Sandy rocks. Just we also uh, just a pebble beach. No, oh. no, you will never see this vehicle at Pebble Beach. Okay. <laughs> but, 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 but it also comes with a twelve thousand pound Warren winch that's integrated into the vehicle. Uh, it comes with it. It's standard and it works well. We. Uh, <laughs> There's I, gotta, a, I, got, I have to stop you real real quick right now. Standard winch? Is that, standard, uh, is standard that winch. Does that happen anywhere? Does anybody do that? No one does that. Um, I know Mopar offers it as an accessory on a lot of vehicles. I don't okay. know if it's standard on anything else. And the other thing I have to I have to stop you and talk about is uh, locking. Uh, sorry, disconnecting sway bars. Yes. Let's. I gotta slow you down because now you're speaking. You're you're talking some kind of nonsense here. Now, Jeep guys and uh, hardcore off-roading guys usually have these di- these disconnecting sway bars to allow for more wheel articulation. That means that if they're on uneven surfaces, uh, they can still keep all four wheels on the ground. Is that am I understanding that correctly? That's the idea. Because I mean, it's, it's, if you get the front end loaded up, let's say on the left hand side, um, or the or yeah, the left hand side, and you're going up a, an incline, and the right hand side is not on the same level of incline. Eventually, if you have sway bars connected, you could get to a, a point where the left rear wheel will lift wow. off the okay. ground because of how the suspension and chassis of the vehicle are dealing with the fact that it's uneven. It's, all, did, it's basically like all tied together, tying all four corners of the car together, right? Yeah, That's basically yeah. what those sway bars do. So, so you, 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 you put the, push the button inside the ram and it disconnects it in the front. So you, you end up with the, an axle that's freer to move mm-hmm. without necessarily affecting other chassis components. Okay, this is insane because I never knew that it was an electronic. I didn't think it was an electronic um, disconnecting sway bar. Yeah, I didn't know that it was a button. I, I didn't know that was a thing that even the aftermarket had. 
Oh well, you most you can get it. Used to just go and go and wrench the thing right off, right? Well, the, the the crappy thing about going and wrenching the thing off is if you've been in mud all day, it kind of yeah, sucks. It's like we were talking sucks. about with the Polestar last week, having to adjust that suspension if you're in the winter, it's a huge hassle. So, you know, the fact that you can do it uh, inside the vehicle. And the other thing, too, is it works. You, you can only do it if the truck is in four-wheel high or four-wheel low, if you're using the low-range or the high-range four-wheel drive gearing. If you go above 18 miles an hour in four-wheel high, it automatically reconnects because it assumes that you're on uh, terrain where you probably don't need it to be that floppy anymore. That's really clever stuff. I like that. Um, and that's a feature that is sound, that sounds crazy. It sounds like something that a regular person would never – would maybe, maybe like to talk about but never actually use or need no, to I- I right? think you well. I mean, you're never going to use it in a non-off-road situation. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's the same as when you go to a racetrack and you're trying to figure out an understeer or an oversteer problem, and you start disconnecting sway bars too, just <laughs> to see if that. No, I mean, if if you want to see where the push is coming from, and if you if you have suspicions, you can try and dial it out that way. Um, in this case, it's not for understeer; it's specifically for wheel articulation. Um, and it was it, that speaking of that winch just to go back to that we actually mm-hmm. used it uh we had a trail guide named nina barlow and she's a professional off-road guide slash racer slash uh all-around uh badass basically and she had a toyota forerunner that she drove up the side of a cliff and rolled over <laughs> what in, fr- okay. in front of us it, it had full armor on the outside where you know you take like it's like an exterior roll cage so that if you flip it, it doesn't necessarily damage the bodywork too badly. And once she'd rolled it over, we used two rams to uh, winch it back onto four wheels. Uh, we tugged it in the right direction so it would be straight with one. And you can do this with two with, with a single vehicle, but we just had two parked on either side cause it's for the purposes of the demonstration. And then we used the other uh, ram to tug it back onto its feet again. And it worked really well. Um, and the, uh, the, the winch comes with 90 feet of cable. Whoa. Yeah, and a remote control um, uh, operation device, like a joystick kind of thing, with a switch. Because when you're uh, when you're off road and you're you're using a winch, you don't want the truck to be in park because it's bad for the transmission pins. It's it, you don't want all of that because presumably, I mean, it's a twelve thousand pound winch, right? So mm-hmm. theoretically, you could be putting a huge load on the vehicle. And uh, the power wagon is heavy enough to handle it, but you want to be sure that you're using the brakes to um, take care of that load. So you need to be inside the cabin with the vehicle in neutral, running, and your foot on the brake. And if you want to run the winch, you have to have it remote. So there's a, it's, it's not wireless, but there's a cable that comes from the front of the vehicle, and you can sit in the driver's seat, and you can run the winch. Okay. So that, that's a really, you know, that's a nice consideration from Warren. And uh, it's it's generally it's a safety issue, you know. You you want to do things right, especially if you're in a situation that's already bad, and already far away enough from home that you probably can't call a tow truck. This is really an interesting vehicle in every sense of the way. It is, it, you know, what? Sure, some people who never go off road um, might not get not might not care at all about it. But it's insane that FCA just keeps churning out these really niche cars that are so fully featured. Um, something like this, something like um, those Hellcats that we're always talking about, um, the Viper, for example. They keep making these really low-volume, like uh, impressive cars, and I don't understand why they keep doing that instead of chasing, um, just going the direction that everyone else does, which is trying to make an, a Corolla Fighter or a Camry Fighter. Am I wrong? Well, they tried to make a Corolla or a Camry, <laughs> the, the Corolla Fighter called the Dart, and it didn't work. And it didn't work. The and other issue, the other issue, They tried issue, to though, make a Camry Fighter called the 200, and that also didn't quite work. 
But, you know, when you're a company like FCA, which has a definite budget when it comes to developing new product, it's a lot easier to create niche products on existing platforms than it is to fund a fully new platform. And I think that the creativity that's coming out from FCA that you mentioned, like with all of the various niche products, it, it's it, they're, they're forced to do that. They're forced to think differently from other car companies because they can't just rely on, you know, oh, we're going to have a B or a C segment sedan that's going to, you know, do crazy numbers. Um, they, they have a very successful truck platform. And how can we get people interested in, you know, that vehicle that's already selling well, but let's give it a little spice. And it's the same with the, the Challenger. The Challenger already sells well and the Hellcat gives it, you know, probably an overdose of spice. Um but uh, the other interesting thing I think too with the power wagon is it's not something that they just you know they didn't just cook it up the the, the power wagon originally was from World War II, and it was used as a weapons carrier by the American forces and when after the war um, it was pressed into civilian duty because apparently there were a lot of former military people former soldiers who were like hey where can I get a four wheel drive pickup truck and the answer was nowhere. <laughs> Because no one was making them. And, and uh, Dodge was like, you know what, we'll just put this in civilian life and you can buy it. And they uh, they they were ahead of Willys. They were ahead of um, any domestic manufacturer by a decade, um, just in terms of getting four-wheel drive into the hands of the, the average citizen. And they built the Power Wagon from about 46, 47, I want to say, until all the way to 93. And uh, there were various versions of it. I think it was 93. I think it was available all through the 80s because I know they had a, they, they changed body styles in the 70s when they came out with the 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 Ram type pickup. The and um, it took a brief hiatus and then we got it back in 2005. Wow, that's one heck of a history lesson. Jeez, did they teach you all that, or did you do all that research uh, independently there? Uh, a gentleman never tells. You already knew all that stuff. <laughs> Um, can I continue? Uh, we, I've got two interesting ways to go with this. I mean, we can continue talking about FCA and their niche vehicles, uh, including the brand new or the upcoming Dodge Demon, which I think our, our listeners have heard pretty much on every podcast since we started. Demon. Um, and uh, they've just basically said that they're, uh, they're it's still coming. <laughs> it, but um, it's coming without. It's coming alone. You have to drive it alone. There's no uh, there's no passenger seat and there's no rear seat. That's what we learned. That's a little weird, uh, and it does kind of support your theory that this is going to be a, a drag, like a drag car. Uh, I think it's like more that. than a theory at this point. Yeah, it very much is a reality, um, and this is something. It's so strange. Can can car companies sell street legal one? Yeah, I guess single seater cars, right? Yeah, they can totally do that. So I I can actually answer that question legally. Mm -hmm. um, I <laughs> legally. Well, from a legal standpoint, uh, here in Quebec, I have gone through provincial inspection, safety inspection with a single seat in my vehicle. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I had when I had my Miata, um, I was getting it inspected, and I put a I, I had racing seats in it, and I put a single stock seat in it to get through inspection. And and the law here states that you can have a all you need is a single seat that slides forward and backwards. That's <laughs> okay. that's the law. And the guy looked at me, and I had harnesses in the car. Um, but I, obviously I also had the three point and the guy's like, look, I can't legally say anything about your harnesses, but if you get stopped on the street, you will get a ticket if you're using them. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. And he's like, okay, I'm glad we had this talk. <laughs> um, so we're, we're, we've learned that it's going to be lighter than a Hellcat. It's going to, because of all the, because of the lack of seats, it's going to have less than 200 
pounds than a regular Hellcat, which is a 707 horsepower uh, rear-wheel drive coupe from Dodge, uh, just in case there's people out there who don't know what a Hellcat is. Um, and what else does it have? It's uh, it has it has a larger body flares um, mm-hmm. for the bigger tires that have actually added weight to the platform. Mm-hmm. So that's part of why they had to take the seats out. And, you know, it's well and good to say it's 200 pounds lighter, but it's still like 4,400 pounds, I think. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's That sounds about right. Uh, but basically, they also told us that there's going to be a bunch of uh, components that you can get with the vehicle that allow you to kind of tailor or switch it from being a, tra- a drag strip performance vehicle or into a, a more street performance vehicle. So uh, they haven't quite explained what all those things are, but apparently it is going to come with these these items that you can swap on and off the vehicle. I thought some of it was a timing gear. You think? Uh, I didn't read any. I didn't read much of that, but um, I think they have some timing gear for uh, telemetry for drag racing. Interesting. I'm not sure. That's what that's what I'd heard. I heard uh, this is what the, this comes from the um, from the press release. Uh, they have 18 components that include um, some Demon-branded tr- tools, uh, a specific Demon-branded uh, spare tire, which is interesting because I don't know if you've seen – if you've seen the teasers, you'll see that they actually have the Demon – the Dodge Demon logo on the tires, which are Nitto um, drag radials, right? Yes. Which is crazy, too. I don't know if a car has ever come with that out the, uh, from the factory. Uh, it'll also come with uh, direct connection demon performance parts and demon track pack. Um, so those are two things that make you believe that there's a balance here, something that you can get that will work on the street and something that can work on the on the drag strip as well. Well, I mean, any drag car works on the street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like it technically. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about, I mean, is there anything you want to discuss about this demon until we've seen it or what? No, I think we're good. I think you know, I, I we are sponsored by Demon, um, in case in case you can't tell, listeners. So uh, we're contractually obligated to say the word Demon eighty two times in any given podcast. We try to spread it out, but sometimes we just go Demon, Demon, Demon. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I don't know if you've noticed that yet. We usually tack it on at the beginning or at the end, um, in a different so guess, frequency. Consider that your disclaimer. Sometimes I reverse I reverse mask it too, so like I'm saying it in the background backwards, and you just can't tell. And then you go to bed and you have nightmares about demons. Yeah, I mean everyone does it. I don't know why they're paying us to do that. Yeah, me neither. I don't know why we signed that contract in blood. Oh man. But uh, speaking of, uh, you know what? Again, it's, it's very strange to see FCA, uh, you know, just resurrecting. Or speaking of demons, resurrecting this uh, old platform and and doing and doing all of this to it before it's finally uh, it's finally out to pasture. But I I'd I mean, much I, rather see FCA doing stuff like this than getting a million sticker and decal packages and and you know bullshit. Uh, wow! I, now we have to add an explicit rate warning to our to our podcast because of your because your potty mouth there. Okay, well you know I just want it, it's something real. It's not like it's not like Starlight Edition bright blue paint with uh, matching blue interior accents and blue leather that you'll never be able to resell. You know, like stuff like that. It's it's this is actually it's a product. It's an actual vehicle. So kudos they, to that. They still do that, <laughs> dude. I'm just saying. Um, okay, but I would love to talk about while we were talking about uh, uh, off-roading things. I learned something very new from a from a colleague of mine, Stephen Elber, who's uh, who covers most of the truck stuff at uh, AutoGuy.com. Uh, he showed me a manual 
equipped Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro. Have you heard of this thing? Do you know anything about this? This truck? I, I have heard of this truck. Yes. Okay. This is a very interesting uh, feature that he told me about. It's called Clutch Start Cancel. Have you heard of this? I have not, but I'm super interested, Sammy. Tell me all are about you, it. Are you really? Um, here's the way it works. There's basically a button that you press, and you won't need to use the clutch to um, to turn on the car, to I, fire up the ignition. I assume that's to prevent rollback on the trail? That's exactly what it's for. And uh, he, sh he has a really cool video demonstrating it um, in action, basically uh, showing the difference. It, it uses the starter motor to kind of like pull the car forward um, so yeah, that you won't roll back when you're on a trail. So we were talking about rocks before on that um, uh, with that power wagon. I almost said ProMaster too. You got me into the, you got me into the hang of it. Well, you know what's funny is there was a ProMaster out there catering our lunch, <laughs> and, and it, it, it took the same trail we took. To oh. get to the lunch spot, and which was a sandy, it, it, to get to the lunch spot, it wasn't um, it wasn't any rocks. It was it was just sand. It was fairly deep sand, and um, it was funny because we all passed it on the way out. We got caught behind it when it was leaving, and the guy just kept his his gaze totally focused on the road ahead while all these power wagons are just blowing by him. And all I could think of was like, this is what would happen if you were a Corvette owner at a stoplight and you get pulled up like six Ferraris pulled up beside you and just like took off. You would just keep looking straight ahead and do your thing. You wouldn't engage. It would just be like, this isn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, this is a really neat, uh, unique feature of the of the Tacoma TRD Pro. Um, well, well, I'm going to have to stop you there. What? Because every F-150 I owned in the 80s did exactly the same thing. <laughs> but not on purpose, did it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but I could drive the car, the truck around the parking lot just using the starter. Wow. Okay. Well, I thought that was really neat. Uh, the only problem is, first of all, I, loved, I, sm I love small pickup trucks, and I love them with manual transmissions. I think that's a great that's – a, that's a match made in heaven for me. Um, that's but, why you own one, right? That's that's why you own a, a small pickup truck I, with a if I had the manual transmission? I would. If I could, I would. The uh, FRS is kind of the small pickup of the sports car world. That's exactly it. That's how I would describe it. Um, but you do lose two things um, that a lot of Toyota owners like, which is uh, crawl control and multi-terrain select. But um, I, I think I agree with Steve. If you want a, man you want a manual transmission, it's, uh, it's worth giving up those two things for this feature and uh, manual transmission. What do you think? That's a cool thing to say? I guess so. I mean... If you're a manual transmission person, you probably don't need either of those features. But I am a little surprised that they're not available. Yeah, on a on a manual transmission version of this car. I mean, crawl control, I think I understand. And I suppose that this clutch start cancel would could No, I guess not. Crawl control works really well downhill, while this thing would work really well uphill. Does that make sense? Or or down downhill too. You don't want to roll forward necessarily. That's true, of course. But the uh, you know, there's the other question is, why can't you just keep your foot on the brake while you're starting it? Or start it with the emergency brake on. You can't. Well, I mean, how many feet do you have? What do you mean, how many feet do I have? The, the emergency brake, it's like, set it and forget it. No, I mean, if you're going to put your foot on the brake and yeah. your, your foot in the clutch. Which is exactly what you would do in every manual car ever when you're starting it. Yes, but I have to take my foot off the brake to apply some gas to get going while releasing the clutch. Wait a minute. No, you're just starting it. You're not going anywhere. Oh, that's true. Of course, to to just turn it on. Yeah. If you if you were worried about the starting thing, that's where you'd have a, an anti rollback feature. Yes. Like Studebaker, like Studebaker had in the fifties. I, I don't I don't have one of those on my car, and you don't have one on yours, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> so. But every Subaru offers that. Pardon? 
Subaru offers that. Maybe if you bought a BRZ instead of an FRS, you'd have it. <laughs> Here we go again with this with this lesson. The dichotomy. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's continue on. I believe you. Uh, also, some of our listeners will start seeing some stories about the 2017 Kia Niro, uh, which is a hybrid subcompact crossover from Kia, and um, it's a really interesting car. But I think Ben, you drove it uh, maybe a year ago. What do you What do you remember from that drive? Yeah, I drove it in uh, actually 2015, in the fall of 2015, in, in Seoul, uh, Korea. We were brought in um, to drive prototypes, and uh, they were they were pretty much fully functional. The, the car that I drove, the only real differences are the looks. They they kind of spiced it up a bit because the the prototypes that we drove were a little plain, and they wanted our feedback, and that was something that more than one of us, I believe, said to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it drove fine. It honestly was, it felt better to drive than a Prius V. Uh, that's for sure, which is a little bit bigger, but uh, similar crossover mentality. And it was funny because so the, the event that I was on was supposed to happen in June, but there was a crazy outbreak of this killer flu in South Korea and everyone freaked out. And they're like, no, we're, we're going to do it later. So they postponed it until like late October, early November. It was it was the week after the Tokyo Auto Show, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't change the itinerary of the event. So it went quite late into the day. And by about 4 o'clock, it was really dark in Seoul. And we were going out on these loops that were pretty long in an industrial part of the city. Like, I want to say we were an hour outside of downtown Seoul. And it was just factories and, like, kind of weird stuff going on. And everyone panicked because no one knew where the cars were. And we couldn't follow routes anymore. And we just started following each other, trying to get back. <laughs> and no one knew anything about what was happening. And, and it was all, this, all of the Kia Motor Corporation guys from Korea really got upset or you know they were like things are not working according to plan and it was because of this unexpected darkness and it was it was a very long day uh, so that was an interesting memory of, of that event but uh yeah good little good little crossover hybrid thing um i hear it's getting a fairly insane fuel mileage yeah for some, its size something in the uh in the 50s uh in terms of highway economy which is fantastic um that's that's prius beating numbers i think so but we'll see, we'll see what same, happens. But at the same time, it sounds a little underpowered. Uh, it has much less than uh, – has 139 horsepower, which does not sound like very much at all. How much horsepower in the Prius? Oh, that's a good question as well. I don't think it's much more than that. Um, you might be on something. I think it's because, maybe – yeah. Because a lot of that – a lot of the, the way around that is the instant on torque from the electric motor, so you don't notice it as mm-hmm. much. Because most people – I mean – no one's going to be flooring it on the highway. You might notice it, but I think around town, the electric motor will take care of a lot of that sensation of uh, speed. Now, you and I both drove that uh, plug-in hybrid Sonata, which had just under 200 horsepower, I believe. Something like that, yeah. And, it's an outstanding vehicle. And that was that felt really good. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how I'd feel with that much less horsepower in a. I would imagine something around the same same size weight-wise. I think it's lighter. Do you think it's lighter? Okay. It's a small. It's a much smaller vehicle. And it doesn't I mean, have the bigger battery of a of the Sonata plug-in that we had. Yeah. So of course. I, I I would assume it's lighter. I, I don't know for sure. Okay. Uh, and then there was some other very interesting news that happened this week. Uh, we got Mercedes AMG telling us that uh, they're still going to be offering us a wagon uh, version of their E-Class AMG. Uh, this is a a car with 600 horsepower and 627 pound-feet of torque. What do you think of that? 
I think that uh, it's sad that no one buys the E-Class wagon because it's a cool vehicle and um, uh, it's something that's much more rewarding to drive than most, if not all, SUVs while being very practical. And um, people are willing to buy, you know, M-badged crossovers and AMG badge crossovers, but I, the number of people who will buy this E63 AMG, you could probably count on two hands. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really too bad because it's it's an excellent vehicle and it kind of toils away in obscurity. I, I absolutely love, first of all, I love the E AMGs and uh, the wagon is just another way to really enjoy this vehicle. And not only that, but this one has the, uh, the four liter bi-turbo V8 or twin turbo V8. Uh, that's a ton of power coming out of it. 600 horsepower, man. Um, I, w- I I came up behind one in traffic last week when I was in the Polestar, mm-hmm. and I felt a, a brief moment of um, kinship with this person, and then I realized that they probably have no idea what I'm driving <laughs> and don't care whatsoever. Um, now, this thing has all-wheel drive now, which is a, a really important aspect of having any vehicle with that much power. Uh, and it allows- uh... No, you don't think so. It's the it's a marketing placebo that's been sold to people who are convinced they'll die if they don't have all-wheel drive in the winter. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying that there was nothing wrong with a rear-wheel drive E63 wagon either. Uh, well, this allows the car to do uh, 0 to 60 in 3.4 seconds, which I think is a pretty big advantage of the all-wheel drive. At least you can put the, all four wheels in motion uh, What was from the previous the model? What was the previous model capable of doing? Uh, I wasn't sure of the previous model, but um, I do recall it having... Some traction issues, as most AMGs I'm, do. <laughs> I'm taking a look right now. Okay, but uh, I, I, you know, the the previous model had 577 horsepower. I believe it was 3.6 seconds. Okay, so so 0.1 seconds then. Yeah, two. Okay. 0.2. That's a big deal. Well, I'm definitely. Uh, I noticed that. <laughs> Um, that was, uh, that's an interesting, interesting car. I l- absolutely love these things. Um, what else do we got going on? We've got nothing else. Uh, I think that's all I wanted to, to bring to, to light next week. We've got nothing else. I've got unnamed automotive podcast.com. <laughs> oh God. Uh, well, it's a shame we don't really edit these and we can't cut that out. Um, we've got the Chicago auto show coming up real soon. I believe that's going to be next week. What do you think of that? I, I you love I, the Chicago Auto Show. I think that the Chicago Auto Show has kind of suffered in recent years. I don't think I don't think many car companies are taking it seriously anymore. It's a um, it's usually a show where you're going to see a lot of trim levels uh, and very mild refreshes. Uh, here's one I believe the Subaru Legacy, uh, the 2018 Subaru Legacy will be there, um, and it will likely be shown off with the very very hard to spot changes. <laughs> and it's it's actually the most visited show in North America if yeah. you're going by by actual people buying tickets and going to check out the cars, which is it's a beautiful facility. Um, what's it, what's it called again? Mix something. I I can't. I don't know at all. Actually, I've never been to the the 18. Uh, sorry, to the Chicago Auto Show. Why did I just say 18? I just said 18. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, McCormick Place. That's what it is. Yes. And it's it's really nice. Uh, there's a lot of room, and there's tons and tons and tons of vehicles. It's great for people to go because there's so much space. The car companies really bring everything, mm-hmm. and you can check it out and get your hands on it, and and you know sit inside the car and, and not be. The nice thing about auto shows is you're not under pressure from a salesperson. You're 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 not going to be necessarily attracting attention if someone's going to try and hustle you into a car. Not that that's not that salespeople shouldn't hustle, but it's a more relaxed environment for uh, checking out cars. 
Uh, I know that we're also going to see some uh, new trim levels, uh, especially I think um, something from Mitsubishi, uh, which is probably what the the Chicago Auto Show, you know, fans were really looking forward to. Right. No, I think definitely Mitsubishi's core buyer group lives in Chicago or the <laughs> Chicago area or the Chicago auto show. <laughs> uh, there's also, you know what? One of my favorite things about these shows are the weird uh, cars that can show up. Uh, Nissan uh, always shows us something really interesting. I believe they first came with a diesel runner um, Frontier, which was a Cummins powered um, small pickup. And this year they've already shown off an off-road spec version of their NV cargo van. What do you think of that? Isn't that neat? That uses the same 5-liter turbo diesel engine that's found in the Titan XD. Um, and it's huge. It has giant 37-inch tires <laughs> and a 10,000-pound and front-mounted uh, winch, which is a little different than that pro, uh, what is it called? Power wagon. They should definitely do a tug of war between the van and the and the power wagon. <laughs> Who do you think it'll win? The, it's got to be the, with the winches. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be the power wagon for sure. You said it was a 12,000 uh, pound exactly. Winter. So yeah. Exactly. But don't be intimidated. <clears throat> play to play to your strengths. <laughs> and what is the strength of the NV cargo? I uh, well, I don't know. Okay. Well, it's got Sometimes, a ton. Of, you should see the photos of the thing. It's got a ton of skid plates all over it. <laughs> I love it. It's just a skid plate armored van. Um, another fun thing you'll probably find in, in Chicago is they, they usually bring a group of police cars, like representing the history of Chicago PD from every era. And I know Chicago PD is kind of taking some heat, uh, recently, but, um, if you're into police cars, you'll, uh, you'll appreciate the, the older cars and, and it, it goes way, way back too. well, what are you up to next week? I've got a, I've got a new vehicle next week to, t- to evaluate. That's going to be the new, uh, I don't know if it's new, the Toyota Corolla IM, which was uh, formerly the Scion IM um, for a very brief period of time before uh, Scion was shuttered away and told to get lost and change its name to a Toyota Corolla. And uh, uh, what do you have? I have a Ford Fusion Sport, which I have yet to drive and I'm excited about. And uh, it's the twin-turbo V6 version of the uh, Fusion. Uh-huh. Ford's imitation of a Audi A4, I think. Is, uh, uh, I don't I don't know. I think it's bigger than an A4. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't know who they're imitating, really, because there's no one in their segment, the non-luxury segment, who's building a vehicle anything like that. That's right. Uh, it's a very uh, unique vehicle. I've driven it, and uh, I can't wait to hear your, your thoughts on it, and we should definitely compare notes. <laughs> I, actually, you know, it's probably one of my favorite parts of, the, of our podcast is when we uh, typically, we have contrasting opinions on these vehicle, on any vehicle uh, that we've both driven. It's rare for us to to completely agree on one thing, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, it's it's because you're such a contrarian. I'm not. Oh, there I go again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that. Yeah, it should uh, it should should be interesting. So I think that's it. I'm going to say goodbye to our friends. But before we do, I'm going to encourage uh, anyone who hasn't subscribed to us on iTunes or the Google Google Play Music Store or even SoundCloud to do so. Um, And uh, I'm going to encourage anybody who who is subscribed to us, if you could please, uh, and this is a a heartfelt request from, from me, if you could rate us on the iTunes Store. Uh, it would go a long way. People will, uh, it'll help other people discover this podcast. And uh, if you want to write anything about the podcast, give us some feedback there. Uh, we would love that too. 
And you can always send us feedback in a more direct manner if you want on Twitter, where you can reach Sammy at at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing, or me at Hunting Benjamin. And you can always email me at Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. And don't forget that if you're uncertain as to how you can get the latest unnamed automotive podcast you can always go to soundcloud and uh it's 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 sitting there or you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com which will redirect you to soundcloud we'll also be working on a facebook page and you can like us and follow us there too and um we'll we'll obviously let our listeners know when that uh, goes live now i have to make sure I haven't received enough tweets from our listeners, so I'm I'm worried that they're not putting in the underscore between Sammy and Ha. That's uh, definitely why you haven't gotten any <laughs> tweets. So I'm worried that some other guy who's just at Sammy Ha is getting a ton of our uh, comments, and he might not have anything to do with automotive. Uh, the and automotive that guy's industry. the worst, honestly. Like I hate dealing with at Sammy Ha. It's just instead of at Sammy underscore Ha. Who does he think he is? Yeah, it's tough. Anyways, uh, for now, I will say. Goodbye and talk to you all next week. And uh, Ben, why don't you say say farewell to our friends? Have a great week, everybody, and uh, looking forward to hearing from you and speaking to you again soon.